It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good morning, and welcome to episode 79 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. Where to even begin, John? A third straight loss to a, an AFC North team, just third straight loss in general. Jags are now 8-6 eight, eight and six on the season, but I feel like the record kind of only saved face for so long because now the Jags are tied with both the Colts and the Texans. So they're just uh, still atop the division leaderboard by way of uh, tiebreaker. But, man, like, feels like I, – I think I asked you last week if the sky is falling in Jacksonville, and it certainly feels like it this week if it wasn't last week. It was even when the game ended. And then the, like, you know, late addition on Sunday night, the end of the press conference, Doug yeah. Peterson saying Trevor Lawrence had been added to concussion protocol – that's obviously like, you know, potential, you know, uh, turning point, you know, for the season in general. Like you said, yeah, you only point to the record so long. I think Peterson even said today they're still first place in the AFC South, which is technically correct. Yeah. But I mean, three losses in a row and none of them, it felt like was a game where they just got like, none of them felt like a 49ers game, you know, where they just got beat by a better team and just got beat down all game. All three losses in a row, it felt like 
like the Jaguars directly, <laughs> like did it to themselves. Every loss this season, I've been telling people the whole weekend that like it feels like the Niners are the only team that's actually beating the Jaguars, and every other loss has been the Jaguars just beating themselves. So, in a way, the Jags are thirteen and one this year. But I was gonna say when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so they 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 would be first in that regard too. But yeah, it's brutal. the The Lawrence injury was definitely like. Kind of like came out of nowhere. It was on the very last question of Doug's post Come again? <laughs> availability. And he just kind of like whispered, like, yeah, Lawrence is in the protocol, not even like saying that he got a concussion. And so obviously there's like speculation, or we're trying to figure out exactly what play it occurred on. There was an intentional grounding in the third quarter where his like head kind of snaps back, like almost two alike. So that, that would be my guess. But then there was also a scramble drill in the fourth quarter where he got lit up pretty good. So, I mean, either way, he finished the game. Maybe he shouldn't have. He uh, self-diagnosed it and apparently told team doctors after the game ended uh, that he was feeling walky or whatever. So he ended up not talking to the media last night because he was in the protocol. And so it's just like like, uh, just like a deflating feeling, like the same feeling – fans were probably having after leaving the Chiefs game and the Niners game and the Texans game all at home earlier this season uh, and the Bengals game too. But then add on top of that, on that, like the fact that Lawrence sustained yet another injury and is probably unlikely to play this coming week. It's like just all the air is out of the balloon right now. Yeah. And not even knowing the severity of that, this is obviously like the most potentially impactful of the three injuries he's had this year because the other two injuries, it's like a pain tolerance, you know, thing more or less. And he actually had some control on whether he would play or not. You know, he literally completely out of his hands this week. There have been some cases of guys uh, entering protocol and playing the next week. Amari Cooper, uh, he entered protocol after a concussion against the Rams in week 12. No, week 13. Ended up clearing protocol on Saturday practice on Friday and played against the Jaguars that Sunday. So really seems like whether or not he practices, you know, specifically on Friday would indicate whether or not he's going to play. You know, we just saw CJ Stroud obviously miss the game. Uh, Peterson has said both last night and today that he thinks it was the play where he scrambled and I think took a shot from Roquan Smith and then got snapped back. When you see the replay of the play, I'm like, how is that not like any flag throw? Like it, it, he took some hits last night. He like 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 th- like throughout the game. So, you know, Peterson was asked about that intentional grounding and said, you know, basically he was fine throughout the game. You know, like nothing really came of that. So that's obviously the storyline to watch entering the next week. And we'll obviously talk about the Buccaneers on Friday, thing things like that. Big chance, you know, like you said, there's a very real reality that CJ Beathard starts that game and what is basically a must win game for them. But, you know, even if Lawrence, you know, did start and we saw against Baltimore on Sunday, it kind of felt like, like, you know, a perfect example of what the offense has been really all this season. I don't have any stats tracking like missed opportunities to score in a like scoring territory, but I would guess the Jaguars have to be like near the top this year. It, it seems like even in the games they've won, they left points on the board. This this week they left anywhere between twelve to you know I think you know twenty points if you're considering first of all McManus missed two field goals the fifty five yard field goal I think you can give him 
a little bit leeway for, you know, not only is it 55 yards, but obviously the win, but obviously understandable when he's missed four of his last five. If, you know, nobody wants to give him any leeway, I will, I won't stand in the middle of the barrage of tomatoes on that one because I understand it. Uh, it sounded like, I feel like weeks Doug was gritting his teeth talking about him. And then uh, at halftime on the broadcast, somebody at, like they asked him about the first half and he was like, first of all, we got to make our kicks. So, Kind of shows you, you know, where they're at. And then that put that sequence right before Lawrence's fumble. That that was like exactly what the offense has been this year, right? Like that entire four plays. ETN loses two yards on an outside run that had he had no chance on. Yeah. Evan Ingram, false start. Parker Washington. It it, it was a brutal, it was a brutal job because he wouldn't yeah. have got the first down, but it would have been third and short. And honestly. In that scenario, I would imagine that'd be four down territory, right? Right. Yeah. Like Lawrence zipped it to him, but like it still hit him in the hands. Like during that NFL, you got to make that catch. So like that was I, definitely I, a blatant and bad drop. I thought that was Lawrence's best drive of the game, <laughs> it, which it ended in obviously his worst play of the game. And it, it, I thought Derek Classen put it well. He's him and Jared Goff suffer from the same same uh, ailment. And it was like parentheses, gangly, fumbles often. <laughs> the fumbling thing, I just – I don't think it's going to go away, you know, at this point. I I don't know, like, whether it's, like, the minute details of ball security because like, he literally just dropped the ball while <laughs> running, you know, like – Yeah. Unforced fumble or, you know, trying to make a play and it just doesn't happen. His other – you know, strip sack later in the game led to three points. It felt a lot more inconsequential, but just overall, like this offense felt like it had so many issues, you know, imagining like supplanting CJ Beathard now into it instead of Lawrence. I mean, where would you really go there? Cause I, I agree that Lawrence had a really bad game, you know, even before when they think he got the concussion, he was having a bad game. You can't Mm -hmm. let that first fumble happen, obviously. He had missed some throws uh, throughout the game. Just overall, he wasn't as good as he had been, you know, in previous weeks. I, I don't even think he was as good as he was against Cleveland, honestly. In, I thought it was, like, maybe his worst game this season. Yeah. Like, I, I was, like, kind of struggling to think of a game that was worse going back to last year, like the Denver game in London. Especially just, that game was kind of marked by, like, poor decisions in the red yeah. zone. And that's just the same thing that happened last night. And this was just, like, like just, like, him spraying the ball, you know, like just pure inaccuracy. Right. Like maybe it obviously isn't, you know, the most accurate quarterback in the league. He's no Brock Purdy, obviously, but he he's never been like the Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles as quarterback who just, you know, is spraying the ball all, all over the field. And that's what it felt like yesterday. Even with that said, like I feel like like that's been the first game this season where he was the main culprit for the offense's issues. And the idea of him now not potentially not being available in the lineup moving forward. I mean, I don't even know what game plan he really come up with in that scenario. Yeah. It's like, cause like that was probably the worst game of his season. Like he was like the main culprit of kind of like bringing the offense down. But at the same time, like he was the main thing that was bringing the offense up. Like he was still like putting together nice drives and then Jacksonville just like, wasn't really able to finish. But like, like I think the fumbles problem is that like, it won't completely go around because he does have kind of like a gangly frame and like he does need to just do better of like holding the ball. Like I think on the first fumble, he was just trying to like switch it to his outside hand, but it's like 
sure you're a football or sure you're a quarterback, but like you're also a football player. Like I'm sure he would agree that like you you got to hold on to the ball there. But I think like the main thing or like the underlying issue is that he's just forcing plays. And like as you kind of recounted with those three plays before the fumble happened, with like there was a blown block that led to the ETN negative rush, a false start, and then a drop. So it's like, can you really like blame the guy for like kind of tucking and running and like try to make something out of it? Um, and then like on the fourth quarter drive when they were down by 10 in the red zone and Ridley had that one that was like a near touchdown, but it kind of got bobbled. That was one of like three drops in a row. There was an Elijah Cook's drop that happened or just bounced off his hands. There was the Ridley drop in the red zone and then Ridley dropped one on on the sideline to play after that. And then there was like multiple false starts at your home field. Uh, Evan Engram, the one that were like Trevor was kind of like fading, fading away and missed Engram on a third down in the fourth quarter. I think that was Engram's fault because he didn't like sit down on the route. Obviously, it didn't really look like a clean or nice throw from Lawrence, but I would pin that more on like the route running. So like there's just so many issues that keep popping up in every different place. And so it's like, yeah, Lawrence objectively had a pretty terrible game, but I think it was terrible because of all the things that are happening around him. It's not like, like we'd be having a totally different conversation. I think if like Jacksonville played a clean game offensively, except for number 16, but like pretty much the entire offense had like a pretty inconsistent and bad day. So I definitely think it's like atrocious to like call out Lawrence for not being a good quarterback and like starting trade rumors and all of this like atrocity on the internet. Yeah. Like you, you can acknowledge, I think when he has a bad game and, you know, like we both said, I think it was his worst game of the season. But right. I, I think you put it best. Like, he is the reason the offense goes most of the time, which it's just – yeah, it's really an indisputable fact. Like, we, we could talk for hours, and we won't <laughs> do it in this avenue about, you know, the whole, <laughs> you know, what is Trevor Lawrence, how good is Trevor Lawrence topic, et cetera. Like, I've said before a million times, I think the generational tag being thrown out there by big draft media <laughs> really, you know – kind of skewed and broke people's brains about him, you know, forever and ever. And nobody was saying any of these things three weeks ago, <laughs> like four weeks ago. It just, it, it, the NFL and, you know, the first take brain of most you know, modern day sports fans, it's, you know, what did you do in your last game? And his last game was probably one of his worst, but I agree with you when he, it, it really feels like the way the offense plays it needs Lawrence in the passing game to be perfect, to have a chance. And when he's not perfect, I mean, at last night is what you get, you know, seven points. They're not, they don't have the ability to prop him up, if that makes sense. You know, like he has to prop the rest of the offense up. And yeah, it, if anything, when he struggles, maybe this sounds like a cop out. I just think it shows the, you know, the warts on the actual roster and the other problems with the team, as opposed to showing that he is, you know, the problem, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's really frustrating too. Cause it's like, not only is the supporting cast and the environment around him, like make mistakes, but they're also like not really making highlight plays either. Like, it's not like Lawrence is like really the only playmaker on the team. I feel like ETN was a playmaker in the first half of the season, but he's just like, he was like, hasn't really done much in since uh, the bye week. I feel like he probably has like two carries of over 15 yards since then. And like, Engram is objectively a good tight end, but he makes like one or two splash plays a game. Um, obviously, Zay and Ridley have been pretty disappointing in these 
three consecutive losses. And so, like, again, it's, like, it's one thing for, like, to get, like, no hope and no help in, like, the facts that your receivers are dropping passes, but he's also getting no help in the facts that, like, his receivers aren't, like, catching a pass and then, like, breaking a tackle and going upfield. Like, Lawrence just kind of has to do everything. And so when, like, things are falling around, part around him, I'm not surprised that he kind of falls apart himself. Yeah, Jags, they had him with four drops yesterday to PFF Bay. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is how we refer to, you know, that now. No. <laughs> PFF had him with four drops, two from ETN, one from Elijah Cooks, and one from what I what I go away from Washington. Parker Washington, of course. Yeah, I thought there so, was like really had two other ones that were like, yeah, they would have been tough catches, but I would have considered them drops. It was like again, I I agree with you that it was the offense as a whole. I still think Lawrence is probably. I don't know. It's, he had the biggest highs of the offense, but he also had you know some of the worst lows. So I I, I struggle to say who played worse, him or the cast, but. Like, like, I thought Ridley had some impressive plays, like specifically in the first half. It felt like in the second half they couldn't really get it to him. I didn't think, you know, from our vantage point that we get, I didn't, I didn't think other than a play here or there that they were really winning outside. Like, it didn't seem like there was, you know, much separation in general. I, I really thought it would be a week that they would, you know, try to pepper Ingram. But it, it makes sense in a way. You know, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, et cetera. And – the usage of the running game, I I, yeah. I go so back and forth. Like, yeah, some of it is probably some Monday morning, you know, quarterback, which, you know, I'm definitely a victim and a yeah. darn proud one. Sure. Exactly. But after the first half, they had seven designed runs. I mean, after the first quarter, they had seven designed runs, mm. you know. So only three in the second half in general. I get that they're not good at – running the ball, but against a specific Ravens defense, you know, we talked about it before, you know, they, they go all out to stop the pass. It's the opposite of the Jaguars defense. How you beat them is running the ball and setting up shot plays, which is what led to, you know, Jamal Agnew's touchdown to begin with. And we saw right. their offensive success. You just saw the offense flowed easier when they did run the ball. And it felt like once they ran into a couple tackle for losses, they just, you know, abandoned it. Like, it, the score was 10 to 7 on the first play of the fourth quarter. Like, I know the Ravens scored a touchdown on the first play of the fourth quarter, but it was still a one score game or right. a 10 point game the whole time. It didn't feel like they had to get away from the run as much as they did. No, I'm totally with you. I think, uh, I mean, Doug did say today that, like, sometimes the plays are dictated by the personnel. And so, like, they probably play call like a hand they probably called a bunch of like RPOs that turned into passes rather than runs, which like didn't really help kind of like the box score watching that we're doing. But like at the same time, like you can like do a little more under center stuff, set up like some under center and play action. And like more than anything, like I've like the problem I have is like, they were just like leaning too much into like the deep balls and like trying to like get back a lot of yards or a lot of points, like all at once. Cause like, it's one thing if you're going to go away from the run, like you can kind of like talk your talk, an argument out of that I think but like you still have to like be able to like drive down the field consistently and like just kind of go one play at a time and so I think it's just uh press kind of stops going one play at a time and you can definitely chalk a lot of that up to going away from the run but they were just like pressing no pun intended and like just uh trying to force stuff a little bit too much too early 
It, do you consider the screen game a part of the running game? No. Like, I get, I get like, that phrase and, like, the yeah. phrase makes sense. But Don't like, ask me what it means. I didn't come up with it. Like, are, like short, like, screen passes, like, yeah. aren't happening, like, part of the run game. Yeah. So, even if they did, which the Jaguars have said before that they do, Lawrence especially, Lawrence yesterday per PFF for 6 of 7 on screens for 13 yards. 1.9, you know, yards per attempt. That's like, what I'm saying. There's no one making a play. And, like, I, like it's not completely on Jags receivers because, like, I feel like the RPOs are fairly predictable at this point. And part of that is also, I think, because, like, after Doug was, like, so good with RPOs with the Eagles, like, the league, like, kind of harpened down or, uh, like, hardened up on calling ineligible offensive linemen downfield a lot more. And so, like, now they're, like, just doing the bubble screen RPO every time it feels like. So the play call is like getting a little bit predictable in my opinion, but at the same time, like be nice to see more than like 1.0 yards of rack per reception. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on that one. I, like, again, I, I, I get why, you know, you don't spam the running game, especially when it's not working. It just, and I completely get, you know, like you said, maybe adjusting to the personnel that the Ravens throw at you. It, it just it, it feels like you know when this team's under center and play action. Like I don't want to say Jared Goff at you know, a quarterback position, but obviously even if the running game production isn't the same, I I, I think that's been one of the big things out the year. Like I, I don't think Lawrence should be dropping back forty plus times in a game like Sunday was, especially like I said when it was ten to seven most of the game. And mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you. Like there was a noticeable I thought you know lack of plays made other than. You know, a handful of Ridley catches, ETN early on, Zay's catch, obviously, uh, you know, at the end of the first half, even if he didn't get out of bounds, it was a really impressive catch. Probably his best play of the season, you know, I'd, I'd venture to say, other than maybe his touchdown against Buffalo. Uh, yeah, it was a ridiculously good throw, too. Holy cow. Yeah. Like, it's it would be pretty easy to overthrow him, considering, like, his top speed right now. And then, obviously, like, the defender was right behind him, so. That's another thing to factor in. Like much like nobody talked about losing Christian Kirk when they did because Trevor got hurt. Because Trevor has a concussion, nobody's really, you know, looking at the fact that it looked like Jones had a pretty significant hamstring injury. You know, not to speculate on it, but like he could like, you know, basically crumble to the ground after, you know, pass into the fifth row uh (laughs) late in the game. (laughs) You know, it definitely you know, you can tell even before then, like he just hasn't been, uh, you know, it seems like last year and you can probably chalk that up largely to the knee injury he's battled throughout the season. So then you look at the offense and like I said, it's Ingram, uh, it's ETN who you kind of saw last night, maybe why, like he's still been using the passing game this year. I feel like as a checkdown option, obviously his touchdown against the Steelers, but you kind of saw, I think last night, why he's not like, his utilization isn't more varied, if that makes sense. You know, like, he's just not always a natural guy catching the football. So, and then Ridley, who is, you know, depending on the game, on or off, like, yeah, it just feels like an offense right now. Not a lot of weapons. It, it didn't feel like a good game for Washington. Like, Agnew made the biggest play of the game on the offense, and he was still, like, mostly schemed open. Like, credit to him for the turning it into a touchdown, the yards after a catcher, obviously, but it was more or less a wide-open throw because of the route combination and the play action. Yeah, and then, like, I'm pretty sure he was getting covered by a linebacker, so he really just had to outrun him. But 
Yeah, that was, was the most. But it was like the only one that was like remotely close to working. It's it's weird seeing like that much separation for a Jags receiver downfield. I was gonna say that was the most 49ers play they've had all year. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's a good way. Hundred <laughs> percent. And I think you know Daniel Griffiths, you know, uh, who does a great job with us, tweeted out you know the NGS like average yard separation, and I think almost everybody was like, obviously. Not you know below the league average by a significant amount. I believe NGS you know had the same stuff last night. Like the Ravens are just separating at a much higher level. So I don't know a lot. A lot of questions obviously with the offense. I thought the line played okay. Like it, it felt like as the as the game went on, they played worse because the Jaguars are obviously like they were just teeing off against the pass. Yeah, were, yeah the Jaguars were just chucking it. Yeah, so I thought they started off. Okay, PFF, you know, had Walker with eight pressures, uh, Luke Fortner with four pressures, which for a center is like a pretty astra, you know, nominal number. Anton <laughs> with three pressures, and then Sheriff and Ezra Cleveland with one pressure each. You know, you, it, it didn't seem like Cleveland was really being a people mover. And I want to see which pressure PFF had him for, because on the play, Lawrence – potentially got injured on the one with Roquan, like got him with the forearm and then he was basically like German suplex after. Uh, it looked like I, I don't know if it was Montebuque or who, but Cleveland got like thrown basically off his feet. So it'll be interesting to go back and with my own eyes and, you know, really watch that one, you know, more closely. Cause I, I, I mean we watching the offense today though, it felt like the offensive line did better than I thought they would. Not to say good, but better than I thought they would. Yeah. No, I think it's a fair point that they were, like, pretty solid in the first half. I think, like, the pockets for Lawrence, like, looked a lot better and they were a lot less muddled in the first half. And then, obviously, like, they were able to get the run game going a little bit, and that's some credit to the offensive line. But I think it's, like, kind of a yike scenario for the run game, the fact that, like, they're missing their top receiver and their quarterback has, like, three different injuries. Zay Jones is injured. Um, like you're on your 12th different starting offensive line combination and like you're still dropping it back fast as much as you are. It's like does not inspire a lot of confidence about the run game. Not that anyone really had any before, but. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Gus, you got anything else on this uh, ode to the seven points that was? I, I just want to say before we go, <laughs> Kansas City, San Francisco, and Baltimore, three home games against like elite opponents. One touchdown scored. I generally think the offense, like, is has been better season long than most people think. But against the best defenses and teams that they have played, they they hadn't showed up, and I think that's what they seriously need to reexamine. You know, moving into the offseason is why that was the case. Because if you can't score against those defenses, it, like, there's really no point in even having a, a season. You know, if you're not scoring against, you know the top defenses and who to blame for that goes on can probably be spread in like a million different ways. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, pro- probably a little too many screens and not enough with the run. I didn't, I wasn't like offended by the game press Caleb Taylor called last night. If that makes sense. It felt like a lot more of it was like execution than anything. Is, is that unfair? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think, again, I, I thought they like were a little bit too aggressive too soon in the fourth yeah. quarter when they were down by, like, two scores. And, like, 
don't know. Maybe it's just like recency bias after seeing the Titans like come back by 14 so late in the fourth quarter a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Like, I don't like. Uh, I think like both the play caller and the quarterback just like as they're like young and kind of figuring stuff out in the NFL in the first couple of years of having big boy jobs, like they just kind of learn how, like how to be patient. And it's like, I feel like that's like how Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls is he just like was the master of taking what defenses gave them. And it's like, you gotta kind of play, play the game that way and, and like play the game the way that unfolds, not play the game the way that you'd like designed it in the office on Friday. Um, or then like trying to force it when everything is, falling apart they just gotta just kind of calm down and relax it's exactly the advice i give to myself and madden (laughs) exactly what i do yeah that's exactly what i do all right that's a fair point all right you got anything else for us on the offense my friend no but i like that it was man like because like you could be like putting together such an awesome drive in madden like running the ball like seven times in a row but then as soon as you have like one play that's like goes goes wrong then like the whole plane goes out the hook. You're doing like four verts every other play. Yeah, it, it can get ugly quick. So that's right. All right, we'll be back right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I guess. I didn't get the sense in the locker room that the defense felt like it had played like good enough to their standard, but I, I'm sorry. I thought the defense played fine. I like. I thought it played good enough Wait. to win. Yeah, I thought they played good enough to win a ball game. You know, I, I thought ultimately I think you can put 20 points, you know, at their feet. Not the last field goal that Justin Tucker made because that was, you know, obviously Lawrence fumbling like at their own 18. 
But otherwise, Isaiah likely makes a play that he he makes what like once every like sixty times maybe. I just what are the odds of that ball being completed? Yeah, like like to, to me, Lamar had two bad throws all, all night, and otherwise was like MVP caliber. Like I feel like he's been every time like I watch him like play versus you know the Jaguars. He's he's a magician in the pocket. He's fantastic at extending plays, but keeping his eyes downfield. Like he like when he gets pressured, it doesn't even look like he's looking to run. You know, he's keeping his eyes downfield. You know, trying to find throwing windows. I seem like the the Jaguars' pass rush, just in terms of like beating blocks, I'd argue is maybe like the best it's been all season. Like they pressured him on like north of like forty five percent of like his dropbacks. Josh Allen had eight pressures. Trayvon Walker per PFF had six. It was you know, probably one of his stronger games of the season. He obviously recorded a sack. He just made some Lamar plays, you know, and some of his guys, you know, like you said, the Jaguars weren't really making plays. Some of his guys made plays. Isaiah Likely, that's not a play we've really seen, you know, from a Jaguars receiver this year. Just absolutely winning at the catch point. Well, like when that ball was in the air, I thought, I think he, he thought, Darius Williams thought he was going to pick that ball off. It looked like he had like the perfect path to it, but mm-hmm. – Isaiah Likely's height and vertical over Darius Williams kind of made a difference there. Well, yeah, just a little bit. It was just an MVP caliber performance from Lamar. I thought that was like the best performance by an opponent of the Jaguars that I've ever seen in person. He was just outrageously good. The Jags did a really good job on like both ends, uh, playing a lot of zone defense in the back end with Tyson Campbell not starting. Uh, and then the pass rush did a good job of doing the so-called slow rush that I talked about at the beginning of the year where they, like, are just, like, trying to, like, kind of – Yeah, like, just, like, maintain rush and lane integrity and, like, not allow Jackson to break contain. And so, like, again, like, both the pass rush and the coverage were awesome. But then Lamar was just kind of being Lamar. And, like, I feel like there was – like, Rashad Bateman had a really big catch in the first quarter. And, like, that was, like, the only, like, just, like – bad play by the Jaguars defense, I felt like. But, like, just playing Lamar Jackson is pretty tough, especially when you don't have Andre Sisco, though, I think, because uh, Andrew Wingard was, like, right there with Darius Williams for that big Isaiah Likely catch. And then Isaiah Likely scored earlier in the game, and Dewey was, like, a little bit late to get over to that side. So, like, there's two big Likely plays where I was kind of thinking, like, if a healthy Andre Sisco is in the game, I wonder if either of those passes – are completed, let alone turn into, like, big plays for the Ravens. Um, and then, like, I like the only other, like, issue I thought the Jags defense had was, like, the run defense late in the game because, obviously, Baltimore was able to, to kind of, like, chew the game away a little bit. But at the same time, like, Jacksonville's offense didn't do their defense a lot of favors, and the Jags defense was on the field for a long time. And, that, like, I, I'm not, like, really blaming them too much for not having a great run defense in the fourth. That's what it felt like live. It definitely felt like they were just like exhausted and yeah, you know, really right. chasing Lamar around the whole night and doing it. You know, the Jags I think had back to back three and outs. You know, I, I want to say right after the Agnew uh, touchdown. So you know, they didn't really seem to build any momentum at all. I, you know, I know most people put like like the week before. I disagreed that the offense had was the only thing that lost them the game. Like I thought the defense had. You know, while keeping them in the game with turnovers, you know, obviously the wide open plays that Najoku and David Bell were inexcusable. 
I thought the defense was much better from that since this week. You know, like you just you didn't get those guys running, you know, wide open. Like maybe the closest one was like on Lamar's first pass of the game, Isaiah Likely, where it was a broken play and Antonio Johnson came up to tackle him and uh, a likely, you know, got open for I think it was like a fifteen yard catch or something like that. Otherwise it seemed my guys are really disciplined. I thought like I said, I thought it was one of the defensive line's best performances, you know, this season. Josh Allen I I thought, you know, yeah, he didn't get the sack record, whatever, but I thought he had a great game. Eight, like I said, eight pressures per PFF, a 40.9% win rate, a 66.7% win rate on two pass sets. Like he, 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 he was just, and I think you count in his run defense. I thought he was just dominant. You know, like he, that uh, intentional grounding he's forced in the first half on the third down, more or less, you know, could have counted as a sack just in terms of the general impact that it had. So I thought overall the defense played better than it has in the last couple of weeks. And it, 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 it's like a good example of the NFL. They played the best game in weeks and it was against probably the best player individually they've played this year. I know they played Mahomes, but I'd argue Lamar is playing a little bit better than Mahomes in this current, you know, state of time, even if Mahomes is obviously the better player. But they yeah. played Lamar better than they played Jake Browning and Joe Flacco, which will never make any sense, you know, to me at all. Yeah. I wonder if it's like – I almost feel like it's a respects thing where, like, they just, like, didn't respect Jake Browning or Joe Flacco enough. Or, like – and then, like, their respective coaching staffs ended up kind of burning the Jags' defense. Like, we talked a lot about how gashed they got off of play action. And then, like – this week and then their like most recent win against the Texans against CJ Stroud. Like they actually kind of like paid a lot of respect to the opposing quarterback and the opposing quarterback like still got his because Stroud and Jackson are both great, great passers. But I mean, once they kind of knew like what the job they needed to get done, I guess uh, with a little bit more respect to the passers, I think they just played a better game. Yeah, no, I, 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 would probably 100% agree with that. For, maybe it's human nature, dude. It's get up for games like that, and then they don't get up for a game against Joe Flacco, and then next thing you know, he has to pass in yards against you. But, you know, it to me was encouraging, I think, for the next – like at least going into next week, I think, encouraging how they played. I, I thought also, you know, Rayshon Jenkins on, on the likely touchdown, I'm not sure – who was at fault, you know, I know you mentioned Wingard. Throw that play out, you know, Rayshon's sack. It was a third down sack of Lamar and his interception. I thought it was his best game, you know, really of the season. And it was a stand-up performance. I thought Devon Hamilton had his best game of the year, honestly. Yeah. Like, he, he just – he looks more like the Devon, you know. Right. You know, he was like literally seemed like a shell of his former self in every previous game. And then this week it was like, oh, wow, he was – actually, like, really popping like he did last year. And then same with Rayshon. It was, like, a vintage Rayshon game, as in, like, the type of good game uh, that he had last year where he's just, like, kind of making plays all over the place. So, yeah, the defense was pretty incredible, I thought. Like, just allowing two touchdowns to uh, an offense led by an MVP, like, caliber player. And when you're, like, the offense also gives up two turnovers – and, like, you missed two field goals to give the Ravens, like, good field goal position. I thought it was, like, their best defensive performance probably since before the bye week. 
Maybe since yeah, the team. For sure. And, you know, just for context, the Ravens point scored in the previous game, 37, uh, 20 in a weird game against the Chargers, but then 34, 31, 37, 31, 38. Like, this is an offense that, like, for, like, a month plus, I've just been absolutely, you know, cooking. And, yeah, I, I thought they hung tough. So, like, moving forward, we'll obviously talk about Tampa more on Friday, but just how much does a performance like that, you know, encourage you for – you know, the next few weeks, especially considering the defense, you know, might have to carry them. Also factoring in, you know, potentially getting guys like Andre Cisco and Tyson Campbell back. Yeah, this gives me, like, full confidence in Mike Caldwell again that, like, this defense at least has, like, the bones to be good. And, like, sometimes – back. Especially in the past, like, month or two when there's been uh, a good, good amount of, like, key injuries to both the front and the back end, uh, you can kind of see, like – I don't know, the skin's shriveling a little bit and, like, things fall apart. But, like, like they've got a good system in place. They've got a good core in place. And so, like, as long as kind of, like, the edges, like, hold up on their own, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think there's a pretty solid unit that's, like, capable of kind of replicating their run in the first half of the season when they were, like, performing, like, a top-five unit. And so I think that's, like, a reasonable peak that they can get back to. But then, like... I think they're good enough to mostly avoid getting like into below average defense territory. So it definitely, the performance gave me a, uh, a lot of confidence. I think it's like you still have the same like zoomed out worries about like what's going to happen in the playoffs once they run into really good offenses and really good quarterbacks every single week. But just at least for the next three games to close the regular season, I'm feeling good about the defense. I'll say it. Caleb on Chase on had a good game. Mm. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he, he flashed like three times instead of his usual one time or half zero times. Half a time. <laughs> his usual half a flash per game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nah. Probably like four and a half flashes over expectation Sunday night, you think? I hate that. <laughs> I really hate that. I thought. Honestly, a bounce back game for Devin Lloyd for the most part too. Like, yeah, there was, yeah, like uh, there's maybe some plays he'd like to have back, but it was much better than like the previous two games. I thought he was really physical too, which I think has shown up more this season than last season. Like he 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 has some hits that he he brings it. Right. Yeah. There was times last year where it was like it almost seemed like he was like afraid to hit or afraid of contact, but in this Ravens game, he definitely did a good job of like attacking holes and playing really physical uh did a good job in the run game for the most part and so i thought like uh especially with like the play action being kind of like the detriment to the defense in recent weeks the linebackers needed to bounce back so i thought i mean not that foy has been like really bad in recent weeks but i thought like both linebackers had a good needed performance yeah 100 percent. so uh, like you said I, I i think it can give you optimism you know in the defense moving forward especially after the last couple like weeks like it just felt like they had really like lost their way you know on defense and i don't know maybe maybe you're right maybe it is so galaxy brain that it was simply because they were playing jake browning and joe flacco that you know they 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 don't play that that seems like that's the case for like every time the jaguars play a backup quarterback i am not convinced at all that the Jaguars would get like that kind of backup performance. I, I think they'd get like Tommy DeVito against the Cowboys earlier. 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) This year is the most likely outcome for a Jaguars backup quarterback. Totally agree. Yeah. So game balls. We're we're on the same page there. Game balls, but right after this break. First. All right, guys. I want to start with a special teams game ball because I want you to prove to me that you're doing the work as a takesman and you're breaking down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The third facet of football, the the third unit. Come on. Let's hear it. Yep. yep. I got a uh, Logan Cook written down because wow. even though he did not go, he did not do two punts inside the 20 yard line. I don't know. What? How, how, how do you make me irate over a special teams game ball? <laughs> I, like, so he didn't have – you said he was going to have two punts down inside the 20-yard line. He ended up having one pin at the 11 and then another pin at the 24. And then his third punt of the evening uh, was like a 60-yard bomb from like Jacksonville's own three-yard line. And then that was the play where Daniel Thomas made a really good play as a gunner on the sideline. And that was like – I thought that was like the play of the game by a Jaguar. Like that was like the only play that really made me go like, wow, that was cool. That, that was a pretty nice punt. So I'm giving it to Logan Cook. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you for that. <laughs> was that just to bring up the fact that I said he would get two within 20? Because I. <laughs> yeah, that was part of it. But the other part. Of yeah, it, Exactly. Yeah, the other part of it is that I uh, I gave the returner the offensive game ball. Okay, that's okay. That makes more sense. I, yeah. I okay. I, I was gonna go Agnew or Daniel. My plan was Agnew or Daniel Thomas, whichever one Gus doesn't say. He didn't say let me cook, and I have to actually make a stance. I'm like, bro, what the hell are you doing? I didn't. I ran a hundred scenarios in my mind, and I didn't have Logan Cook as any of. <laughs> when you first said Logan Cook, I I, I thought you were going to say because he yelled at the refs. <laughs> I missed that honestly. No, he just had really? like he that was a, just an awesome sixty yarder, and then he had two other like solid I, ones. I uh, on McManus's first missed field goal. I'll never be the refs decided again guy because they did the Jaguars beat themselves like they have in almost every other loss this year. But it did seem like the refs missed a – what's the penalty? Roughing the kicker, Roughing running into the kicker? Like yeah, whatever it is. It, it seemed like a pretty clear miss on McManus's first field goal. And you could see, like, as the Ravens' offense is coming up to the field, Logan Cook ripping into a referee. Then they show the replay on the on the big screen, and he's, like, pointing at it with the ref. He's like, look, dude, look. <laughs> and then the head official comes down to the sidelines to talk to a still irate Cook. And then oh, wow. Cook – Heath Farwell and Luke Thompson, the assistant special teams coordinator, were all three still talking to a ref as like the Ravens offense and Jaguars defense were playing. It was it was a good scene. You missed it? Yeah, I missed it, but yeah. I mean, that's what you tune into the Jaguar Report podcast for. Exactly. These. He was pissed. He, uh, <laughs> I, I genuinely, genuinely thought that's who you were going to. So I'll give half the game ball. I have ball. no idea, but that, that just like heightens my case. Yeah, Okay, I'll give half a game ball to Daniel Thomas and half a game <laughs> ball to Jermont. You're making me split it. <laughs> Daniel Thomas, obviously, an amazing hustle play. Like, I've got a really newfound respect for punt gunners and special teams since I've started covering. 
you know, mm -hmm. the NFL, just like, you know, what they do, how important they are to the overall roster and social teams. Daniel Thomas, it feels like we've been saying for his entire career now is a really underrated and good special teamer, gunner specifically. And it, that was just an awesome play that he made. Uh, Jamal Agnew had some really big returns. I think he had a 28-yard return, like a 39-yard return. Uh, he, he was incredibly explosive. But let's go ahead and get to the offense since – you know, I guess I guess you wanted to shake things up. Yeah, well, so I was thinking about Daniel Thomas, but then he just made one great play. It was a great play, but I feel like you've gotten on my case before about giving out a game ball for someone who made, like, one good play. It's so a special like, right. game ball. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. giving it to Logan Cook for kicking the ball three times. <laughs> one time within the 20. You, you got to make your kicks. Logan Cook made his kick. If Daniel Thomas doesn't make that tackle – I still get, I, I promise you, I still give it to Logan Cook. Because I, I thought, as it was in the air, I was like, wow, this is that was impressive. I, I've, I'm sticking with Logan Cook. I, yeah, he's, he gets my game ball. I thought about giving a half a game ball to Travis Etienne for his first half performance, since they then kind of disappeared in the second half. But instead, I'm just going with Jamal Agnew for the offensive game ball because he had the 65-yard touchdown. And, I mean – you did bring it up earlier. Like, it was a good job to actually score the touchdown and kind of, like, break the last guy. Um, but, really, he just, like, out outran a linebacker. But it was the longest touchdown offensively of his career. So, game ball for Jamal. Mm -hmm. What? 66-yard touchdown run against the Colts. Really? Yeah. You just got ball yeah. ball, buddy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I don't even know which Twitter account to blame for my mistake. So. <laughs> Longest touchdown catch of his. Uh, the last thing yeah, that I, I won't talk about the Andrew Thomas again until his next special team tackle. I can't figure out a way to upload a photo for you guys to see here, but you know you can see on the broadcast before the game him entering the game for, for whatever reason with like the Mario costume. Oh <laughs> yeah, and you have like. Too. In the locker room after the game, super somber locker room, everybody just walking around, you know, pretty upset. It's <laughs> just a pair of Mario boots and a stuffed Mario just sitting there. <laughs> he didn't wear it out of the game, did he? He had a different change of clothes. I can tell you. Oh, man. It's it, 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 that out of the stadium. <laughs> it struck me when I was leaving. I looked up and saw it. I died. <laughs> oh, good bit. Good bit. Okay. Oh. Yeah, offense game ball, Agnew. I'll go. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> I, I said uh, Rayshon Jenkins. I feel like Josh Allen was pretty clearly like the best player on the field when the Jags defense was playing, but Rayshon had two like huge plays between the sack that he had on a third down and then the interception, making just easily the best play in coverage he's made all season. So Rayshon for me. I, I, I didn't give an offensive game ball, but oh. – <laughs> <laughs> I'm I must have blanked and I thought you were just – we were already on to the next. I'll go. And then every, everything got blurry. I thought Calvin Ridley flashed the most. I don't care. I know, five catches for like 38 yards. Yeah. He, he made, I thought, some impressive I, catches. I, I thought that, about giving the game ball to both like him and Trevor because like they both like made mistakes, but like at the same time, like they're kind of like both like the best players. That's that's how we win people over. That's how we read the room. We take the two people the people are the most mad at right now and <laughs> give them the game ball. That's how 
that's how we get it going. But I, <laughs> that's good. I might have, I might have to whip up a graph. You're, 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 you're not wrong because I don't know who else you pick. I don't think it's Zay. I don't yeah. think Ingram had enough highs. No. E- ETN, ETN just didn't. ETN didn't have the usage. I think. Um, obviously not Perker Washington. You, you know, you picked Agnew, and even he literally made the one play. I think the touchdown he caught was his third route of the game, and it was in the third quarter. So, like, and his other route was a screen that he, to be frank, you know, tackled himself on. So, yeah, it was, I forgot to list that one earlier when I was going over like all of this, like the shoot yourself in the foot type errors that the Jags made. It was like someone laid a tripwire on the field and he just caught himself. But yeah, I'm with you. And you know, Luke defense. Farrell. Luke Farrell has like a similar case to Jamal Ray. I had one really nice play. It was like the only seam catch by a tight end, like in Trevor Lawrence's Jags career. It feels like. No, this year at least, like it felt like last year. Ingram had a couple, and yeah, it feels like this year. So. Did I say on the podcast, or is this like a bit I would have with you in person at training camp that Farrell would be their second most productive tight end? I def- oh, no, def- definitely said like, it to you before, be right? Okay. Hmm. Let me let me try to do some research and see if I can pull up anything. Let's see. Podcast okay. from and, uh, I know you. April, May 31st, Luke Farrell will have the second most catches and snaps among tight ends in May. There we go. Yeah. We're cooking. We're, we're, we're cooking. 12 catches for 148 yards, no touchdowns, compared to four catches for 34 yards and one touchdown, most of which came in one game. I'm, I'm taking the W on that one. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, that I'm, was. He's the weapon man. You, well you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I think you had a pretty similar one. I don't. Know, I don't feel like looking it up, but I think you had something pretty similar about like Dearness Johnson getting like more touches Look or it snaps. Up. Look it up. Tank. Ah. Look it up. Come on. All right. Come on. Tank. Tank, I believe, had one snap. Which. Again, kind of shows you like their lack of willingness to run it. Like it seems like they only really trust him to be on the field for running plays, and then they ran like twelve of those all game. Yeah, yeah Tank Tank Bigsby one snap. That, that's crazy, man. That he, he played the same amount of snaps as Josh Peterson. <laughs> oh, that's that's not good. Who, who by the way, got got destroyed on that ETN run that preceded Ingram's false start. That preceded Washington's horrible drop. That preceded Lawrence's fumble. So, you tell me what the root cause is. You can stop looking for it now. You can stop. Yeah, no, I can't. I give up. <laughs> I try at least, but I think you did say it. Like, so credit to you for correctly guessing the second string running back and tight end. Thanks. Now let's uh, not talk about <laughs> any of the ones I got wrong. <laughs> All right. You got uh you got any takes to send us out of here, my friend? Um I think a take that we're gonna see on Monday is that like a similar one to Jake Browning, like like what does Joe Burrow do that Jake Browning can't do? Like that that ridiculousness. I think we could we'll see something similar with CJ Beathard, because I'm expecting at this point CJ to start and like the Bucks since Todd Bowles got to uh Tampa Bay. 
they've been a pass funnel defense, meaning that their run defense has always been really good. So it like encourages opposing teams to pass more. So I think like Jacksonville's passing offense is hypothetically on paper set up to succeed. And so I think like, I think the Jags are going to be able to like scratch their way to a like ugly win with CJ. And then people are going to be like, I, I don't know. They're, they're look a little better with CJ than they do with Trevor. And we're just going to have to deal with that next week. That's, that's 300, my 300 yard, three touchdown CJ Beathard. I'll say 300 yards is a lot. I'll say. Is hmm. it, is it in the NFL anymore? Like maybe in 2023 it is. For, for this for this team, it is. I, I I'd like to say it is for a backup quarterback, but then obviously we just saw two backup quarterbacks go forever three hundred <laughs> against the Jags. So sure, I'll go. I'll hot take CJ Beathard's going for over three hundred passing yards next week. Why'd you let me bully you into that? <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole thing of the show. That's what the show is at this point. Yeah, that's that that that's a fair point. I, I, guess, I still want to on Logan Cook, though. He gets my game ball, but I'll, I'll, I'm letting you talk me into C.J. Beathard props now. Yeah. I I think I would genuinely agree with you in terms of, you know, this is a game where they should be set up to succeed, but we'll see. We'll see, but we'll talk about that. Beathard, Tim, Tim Jones, 50-yard bomb next week. That's, no, that, that's that's how that's the catnip that we give people for for Friday. So tune in <laughs> Friday. You want to hear about that? Thank you guys for listening to the 79th episode of the Jaguar Report. John Shipley, my co-host, friend Gus Logue. We'll be back with you guys on Friday. <laughs>